Tracy's one of our elders, so Tracy is going to pray for me, because uh, if you would keep Dr. Parker and Laura in your prayers as well. Dr. Parker and Laura live down in our neck of the woods, which is... There you go. Give you a hospital and you can run it. Microphone, not so much. Um, so, but uh, they, they can't get in and out of their house this morning. With, uh, the, they have a river running through their property, and so that's, that's been going on. And also, too, if you know uh, uh, the Mullises, Jeff and... Um, Stacy, um, they, they also, their street is washed out as well. So you may, may want to get on the computer this afternoon, just as my, my message you, get on the computer this afternoon and look and see who's got that damage going on and then call them and say, can I come over? There's, Panthers aren't playing. Even if they were, they'd lose. So anyway, so uh, just go help some people. And uh, Tracy's going to pray for me before we start. Father, you are so powerful and so wonderful, and we um, thank you that we are able to worship you today, and we thank you so much for Paul, as his older sister he never wanted. You know how much I love him and how much I cherish him, and I ask, Lord, that every word out of his mouth today would be just exactly what you would have us say, have us hear, excuse me, that you would have him say, and that we would be blessed by it, and we would be challenged by it, and we would be leave here changed by it. We ask this in your name. Amen. Can we turn off for you? Yes. So take your, take your Bible out, and if you have your Bible, we're going to be in um, 1 Corinthians 12 this morning. We're going to be 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to go actually read through a good little section of it, 12, 1 through 11. And 12, 1 through 11 is where we're going to be, and so just kind of strap in for a lot of information about it. But hopefully, maybe some things either that you've never heard of before, or if you have, maybe some things that will hopefully pull you out of, of maybe where you have been um, complacent about it. So starting with verse 1. And now, dear brothers and sisters, I will write about the special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to each of us, for I must correct your misunderstandings about them. You know that when you were, when you're still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know how to discern what is truly from God. No one speaking by the Spirit of God can curse Jesus, and no one is able to, able to say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service in the church, but it is the same Lord that we are serving. There are different ways that God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, he gives the gift of special knowledge. The Spirit gives special faith to another, And to someone else, he gives the power to heal the sick. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to know whether it is really the Spirit of God or another spirit that is speaking. And still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, and another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So if you want to go back with me to like the year 1990, 1990 is when uh, Paul Cummings is 16 going on 17 years old, and uh, we were in our youth group, and our youth group began, and, and like most youth groups, we talked about spiritual gifts. We did not talk about how to discern them. We didn't talk about like what your spiritual gift can you use for. We just talked about spiritual gifts, and so we're sitting there in a circle, and they start talking about especially the major incredible, we would call those the more wonder-driven gifts. And those would be, you know, healing, prophecy, miracles, the ability to interpret, speaking in tongues, all that kind of stuff. And so as we're talking about that, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm like, I'm pretty awesome. 
17-year-old Paul, 16-year-old Paul, he drove a Dodge Airy station wagon. He had a mullet, played soccer, sang in the chorus, you know, all those kind of things. And I was like, you know, if I was going to get one of these gifts, it'd be the gift of healing. Pretty sure it'd be the gift of healing. And so I kind of went to my inside little insider group of friends that were there after we'd had that study, and I was like, hey, guys, I just want to let you know, have the gift of healing. Watch out. It's going to be awesome. And so at the next youth, you know, somebody's like, you know, I've got, a, I've got a sore throat or whatever like that. And this person like comes hobbling in. They're like, you know, I had this injury at volleyball or whatever like that. And so during the prayer time, we all stood up and I made sure that I looked at my friends. And as I made eye contact with them, the people that had the sore throat and the busted up knee were standing next to each other. We made the person with the busted knee stand up. We did. Anyway, anyway, so they're right there and, you know, they're standing together and I like kind of look at my buddies and I'm like, And I put my hands on the back of both of them. And I feel like somehow Luke Skywalker and the Force, that's how it's going to be. And so just with all my might, I'm like, mm, and I'm Tai Chi in their back and all this kind of stuff. And I'm looking over at my friends like in the middle of the prayer and I'm just like nodding to them. Like you just watch what happens when we say amen. You know, and then we said amen. And like and the kid like with the crutches like limps off. What's wrong here? I had the gift of healing. Come on now. You know, and so for the next month, I realized that I did not have the gift of healing. But I was bold with it. People, you know, at Kmart, we didn't have Walmart. People at Kmart were sick. And I'd go up to them, and I'd be like, you're in a wheelchair hazard, and I'd put my hand on them. And I'm like, hmm, this is going to be so awesome when they jump up off this blue light special thing and run out of the store. Didn't happen. I did not have the gift of healing. I didn't have the gift of healing. But you know what? As we talk about these spiritual gifts that get given to the church, we need to do a little bit more of a holistic approach. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit first, why the Holy Spirit gives gifts, and then what the gifts do and how they're, how they're to be used. Now, are, you, are we going to get into the whole, some of you are not even going to know what these terms are, continuation versus cessation debate this morning? No, we're not. If you want to know and you want to talk to me about it later, I'm a continuationist. If you're a cessationist, guess what? We're in the same church. We have the same Holy Spirit, same God that we serve, and the same Lord Jesus Christ. So that's cool if that's who you are. I'm not going to preach it from a way that I'm trying to switch your minds about continuation and cessationism. But we're coming to this place because we're here on Pentecost Sunday. That's why it's changed over to red. And Pentecost Sunday is the Sunday that we celebrate after Christ's resurrection that the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And it happens in Acts chapter 2. But also it just happens to be that this is the part where we are in the Apostles' Creed as well. After we kind of get to the end, you kind of start getting to the, the things that are wrapping it up. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. So here we are. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Pentecost Sunday, and we're here we are with 1 Corinthians 12. So how does the Holy Spirit then equip the church? It's right here in this text, but how does the Holy Spirit equip the church? And we've got to realize that, again, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He's writing to the Corinthians in light of their divisions, in light of their disunity, in light of their unhealthiness. He doesn't begin this letter the way he begins the letter with the church of Philippi. The church of Philippi, he begins, he says, I, every time I think of you, I thank my God for you. Doesn't do that with the, with the Corinthians. He's like, yeah, me and Sosthenes, we're here writing to you guys. Tell the sinners to stop. You know, that's kind of how he starts with this one. But in this context, he wants to then engage them about the disunity they have and the misunderstandings they have about spiritual things. Remember, they were people that are, may not be have been Christians very long. They were also people that had come out of ritualistic idol worship. They were pagans. That's another one of the things it says. And they were unaware of the Holy Spirit, and they were actually grieving the Holy Spirit because of the carnal way that they lived. So let's live this. Let's jump into the text. Let's start with verse 1. 
And verse 1 actually begins where, where we translate this text in that now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about the special abilities of the Spirit. The Greek actually is, I want to write you about spiritual things. I want to write you about spiritual things. Now, this is within the context of now here in the year 2019, people will be like, well, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. That's a great place for you as a believer to say, what do you mean by that? Because when we say spiritual, we are truly, as born-again believers, talking about being indwelt and filled by God himself in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so he says, listen, let's first talk about spiritual things, and I want to talk to you that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is here now living within you because of Pentecost, and he is here to help you equip the church for all the things that the church needs to do. We're going to find that out in verse 7, and we're going to find that out in verse 11 as well. But he's here, and I want you to have corrections for your misunderstandings. Now, what you would say, well, why do they have misunderstandings? Think about this as well, though. They are born again. They have been given the power of the Holy Spirit, but they're kind of just all ragtag group of people, and they're not understanding the Holy Spirit and the way he works because they've come out of serving lifeless, speechless idols, dead idols. So might there be a little bit of a difference if you've been worshiping a dead idol that has never spoken to anyone versus the living, breathing, working God in Jesus Christ? Yeah, there's going to be a difference. So there's some misunderstandings that he's going to talk to them about. And so in verse 2, he comes back and he gives you a reaffirmation of chapter 8, verses 4. We know that an idol is actually nothing. It is speechless. You know, again, Isaiah would say, those that create idols become just like them. Somebody that takes a piece of wood, carves something for it for work, cuts some of it up and cooks their, cooks their meat over it, and then on the third, makes an idol and worship it. How dumb is that? And so he reaffirms that. And he says, an idol has never spoken to you. An idol has never spoken to you. But now you serve the living God. And so in verse 3, he's going to give you something, and this is where you and I would have a better understanding of what a church would look like that is filled with the Holy Spirit. A church that is filled with the Holy Spirit is always there to glorify Jesus. You can tell that the presence of the Holy Spirit is there when the church glorifies Jesus. Now, Francis Chan came out with the book called The Forgotten God. Bob and I talked about this this past week. It's a great book, a great book, great study if you've done it before. But I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is okay with you forgetting about him. And I'm not saying, like, forget that he exists, but that you glorify Jesus because that's the reason that the Holy Spirit does what he does. The Holy Spirit equips us to say Jesus is Lord. No one who is not filled with the Holy Spirit can exalt Jesus truthfully. You might make a statement, even a demon will say Jesus is Lord, but they're not confessing their faith in him, nor his lordship in their life. They're just confessing a fact. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is work when the church or when believers are lifting high and glorifying the work, the person, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. So that's kind of a defining factor. If you see in a church that they're lifting up themselves, their talents, their gifts, their brand, their ideology, their methodology, and not Christ, the Holy Spirit's not working there. And so verses 4 are the place that a beautiful thing happens. And there's so many places where people would say, maybe a Muslim might come up to you and say, the word Trinity doesn't come in the Bible. Where's the word Trinity? The word Trinity isn't there. The word, they would say that to you, and you would say, listen, why don't we turn to 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 4, because in verse 4, what do you have? You have the Holy Spirit. You have the one Lord who is Jesus Christ, and you have God the Father. You have them all right there. So in verse 4, the nature of the Trinity is actually here on display. The nature of the Trinity, the same God, the same Lord, the same Spirit, 
God the Father is not the Son. God the Son is not the Father. God the Spirit is not the Son. God the Spirit is not the Father. God the Father is not the Spirit. And God the Father is not the Son. They're all three separate, but they're all united within the Trinity. And so there is a diversity in the unity. Did you catch that? There's a diversity in the unity of the Trinity. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. There's diversity. They're not all the same, and yet they are all one. And what do they do? What is here in this text? Verses literally 4 through 10 just talks about, four, four, excuse me, 4 through 6, but then 8 through 10 talks about how they delight in one another. Kevin Watkins made a great point this past week. And when he was talking about it, he says, you get a view into the Holy Spirit, in, into the, tr- the Trinity here, the triune God, where the, the Spirit is making much of Christ. And Christ is making much of the Father. And the Father is glorifying the Son. And the Son is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And you see this just, just, you're great, and now you're great, and you're great, and I'm here to serve you. Well, I'm here to serve you. Well, I'm here to serve you. And so you can get this whole idea of what does love and serving produce? Children. Love and serving produces children. And guess who the children of the Trinity are? Raise your hand. We have been what? Born again. Not by the work of a man and a woman, but by the work of God Almighty. So we get like a little, we get a little view into the work of the Trinity here in verse 4, the celebration of diversity and the unity of the Spirit because of the unity of purpose and the source of power. So in verse 5, he comes to us and he just gives us this, this super simple point. The purpose of the church is to serve and glorify Jesus. That's the purpose of the church, to serve and glorify Jesus. Contrast this with verse 2. You all don't understand this. You've been bringing your pagan practices into this, and you have been used to speechless idols, dead idols, but now you serve a living God. And he says the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of these gifts is to serve Jesus. And so because God is big, there's different kinds of service. And so he talks about there's all different kinds of service because why? Jesus is not a dead idol. He's living, moving, dynamic. Think about a football team. You have offense and defense. You have specialized players. You have some players that just sit there the whole time and just go boom, boom, boom. And this guy's going back and he's doing, and this guy's kicking the ball, and then this guy's going running out here, and this guy's trying to keep that guy from, why? They all have one purpose, and they're all driven by the same power and the same purpose, but they have a diversity. They have different things. Similarly, in a church, he's saying there's different ministries in the church. And so in verse 6, he says, because God is a big God, and people are really little, big God equips tiny, insignificant people to do big things. Big God equips tiny people to do big things. And so you get to my life verse, let's Philippians 2, 13. For God is at work within you, giving you the power to obey him and the strength to do what pleases him. Paul's going to reiterate that to the church at Philippi. And so in verse 7, he says this. Are you a believer? Are you born again? Are you part of the body? If they're Corinthians, they're they're reading this, and they're like, yeah. Then I want to say this to you. You have gifts. Now, I know that some of y'all think that you look around, and you're like, God, I'm pretty sure, like, I was hiding behind the door when you gave out gifts. Like, Johnny got some, and Susie got some, but what what was was going on? Was I, like, was I being, what happened that day? I didn't get that gift. I didn't show up at church that day that we gave out gifts. No. If you are a believer, you have gifts. And so verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, he kind of expounds on this. We could spend a year just in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. But when you look at verses 8, 9, 10, 11, you want to combine that and you want to take some notes and go back. You want to combine that with looking at Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 12. Paul gives out 19 different spiritual gifts and offices. 
Now, Paul isn't trying to make an exhaustive list here. Notice he doesn't cover every single one. That's not the point. However, the point that he's trying to make is that the Holy Spirit is going to gift each one of you believers for the church. That's an incredibly important thing. You're not gifted for yourself. You're gifted for the church. And so he's saying this again. The other part that he says in this is notice that there's two things that we've got to understand as he talks about how the gifts are given and who the gifts are given to. How the gifts are given, they are given by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit is referred to as He. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an entity. The Holy Spirit is not some force. It's not the Almighty, um. The Holy Spirit is a He. He's the third member of the Trinity. But then also look at the pronouns that are used when it talks about who the Holy Spirit gives the gifts to. One, another, and someone else. Notice he doesn't say, to that person that God really likes, he gave this. To that person that's just a bump on the log, God didn't give very much. To that person who's incredible, God gave this. No, he says, to one is given this, to another is given this. To someone else is given this, to one is given this. Why? Because each person is nothing more than a vessel. Each person, yes, I know that you were created in the image of God, and we celebrate the fact that God's fingerprints and handprints are all over you, but in order so that you wouldn't be like, well, so-and-so is someone in the church, and who am I? Who are you? You are the person who is filled with the same Holy Spirit that anyone else is. The question is, are you living by the Spirit's power and are you submitting to him in your life? And so then we come here all the way to the very end of it and we get to verse 11. And verse 11 ends with joyous love. Joyous love is interacting here in the nature of the Trinity. And each one in the Trinity exists to love and to glorify others. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts he alone decides which gifts a person should have. And think about that. God the Father could be like, listen, I'm going to do it. But the God the Father says, no, Holy Spirit, you're going to be the one that gives out the gifts. And you're going to give out the gifts so that the church can glorify Jesus. And when Jesus is glorified, I, the Father, get glorified. See, don't you get it? We're all in this. And so you get this beautiful vision into what's going on in the Trinity. So let's look real quickly at just two quick points. Two quick points. The first all is this. The Holy Spirit equips the church for powerful service, not for prideful peacocking. <laughs> peacocking is a term that I didn't really realize that was a thing until I started seeing men do it. You see it at the beach a lot. At the end of the day, you've been laying out at the beach, and if you're a man and you go to the gym, unlike me, you know, you, you, you don't go out and like put your, you know, put your long sleeve shirt on. You go put on the, the tank top that you got, you know, silk screened on like, Stood in the front of it, and you go and you walk down the boardwalk if you're in Myrtle Beach, the dirty Myrtle, the Redneck Riviera, and you're doing this, and you're looking at everybody, and you're like, ah, and you're peacocking. What is that? You're trying to show off. You're trying to be like, it's all about me. Well, the Holy Spirit equips the church for powerful service, not for prideful peacocking, not for showing off. So verse 2 comes back to this, and he says this, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So verse two, we're going to remember that the Corinthians carried both an idolatrous past and also pagan ideals into the church. Combined with a fleshly or what we call carnal knowledge, they had a human-centered approach to using their spiritual gifts. A human-centered approach to using their spiritual gifts now, there was an interesting time years ago where uh, George and Georgia Bolter and Chris and Lynn Winkler and I and our kids all took our kids to a family camp at a YMCA place. Um, and we went to a family camp at the YMCA place. And we were watching these people play like this four-square gaga ball. I'm not sure what it is. And this one kid came over and joined the people that were playing. And we were kind of up on the hillside watching them play. 
And this one kid just all of a sudden kind of just started losing it. And he's cussing at people, and he's having fits, and he's pushing people, and he's doing this kind of stuff. And I sat there on the edge of the hill just going, what the heck is wrong with this kid? He is messed up. And then we started, he was dressed in all black, so we started calling him the Black Hornet. This is me. I'm the pastor in this here situation. And where I'm kind of looking at him, and I'm like, what is wrong with Black Hornet down there? And then all of a sudden, I was like, what's Black Hornet doing? And then Black Hornet just starts to lose it. And then all of a sudden, this guy who is way walking over here that's not even part of what's going on, watches for a second, looks up, comes and walks over, watches for 30 seconds, sees that Black Hornet has issues going on, and he comes and he says, hey, man, hey, hey, come here. here come here for a second. Let's go take a walk. Puts his arm around this kid, and the two of them walk off into the sunset for him to be healed by a person that actually loves Jesus. Why? Did I have spiritual gifts that I could have used to reach out to this kid? Absolutely. What did I instead use those gifts for? Make myself look cool. Whereas this fellow over here was like, I have spiritual gifts too, and I'm not going to use them to make myself look cool. I'm going to go in and get my hands dirty to glorify Jesus. See, that's the difference between powerful ministry and prideful peacocking. And I learned an incredible lesson that day where I was like, shut up and go use your gift. That was, that was the lesson I learned. Really deep. Pastors learn deep lessons. But I want to say this to you. When we look and we're trying to figure out why is this verses 8 through 10 in there? Why are we talking so much about the Holy Spirit in verses 4 through 7, the Holy Spirit, the one God, the Father, and one Lord Jesus Christ? Why, why are we looking into the Trinity? Because if the church is going to have powerful ministry through the Holy Spirit, the church needs to learn to, to mirror the celebration of diversity and unity that is found in the Trinity. When the church begins to understand and mirror the celebration of diversity and unity that is found in the Trinity, when we mimic that or mirror that in the way that our church works, that is when we begin to delight in serving and Jesus is really glorified. So in verses four through seven, we look at the Trinity and we look at this triune God and we said that before, God the Father is not the Son, God the Son is not the Spirit, God the Spirit is not the Father, God the Father is not the Son, God the Father is not the Spirit, and so on and so on. And yet, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. There is a diversity there. There's a diversity there. And so there are different members of the Trinity, and they all work together for one purpose and for one goal. Now, a prideful peacocking church or a prideful peacocking individual, they have more interest in a type of gift than they do in the Holy Spirit. And so when they have figured out that they have one gift that, that is the best gift to have, they talk about it all the time, and all of a sudden you realize that somehow everyone in that church has that same gift. And so you know what they're doing? They're not only talking about the fact that that gift is better, then if that gift is better and everyone in their church has it, what is better? Their entire church, everyone in our church. We are the real Christians. We are the real ones. We're the real ones that do this. We're the real ones that do that. And what have you not done? Verse three, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is glorified, not your church, not your brand, not your ideology. And so in order for a church to work, every gift, whether you think it is amazing or insignificant, needs to be brought out, used, gotten dirty, worked on so that Jesus Christ can be glorified because it takes a diversity of Holy Spirit gifts and a diversity of ministries for God's word to go out in this world, for, the, the, for people to be healed, for people to hear the gospel, for the people to be administrated for so that other people can do it, all kinds of stuff. A church that mirrors the Trinity knows that God delights in a diverse array of ministry gifts. 
And since we exist not for ourselves but for God, we've got to go out and mirror the Trinity. Mirror the Trinity. Glorify and serve one another and love one another in a way that the purpose of God is achieved. So we're going to delight we're going to delight in honoring each other. We're going to delight in the fact that God has given us different gifts. Not everybody's all the same. We're going to delight in the fact that we do not exist for ourselves, but that we exist for God. And then we come back to verse 5. There is one Lord, one God, one Holy Spirit, and we exist for him. And the last thing is two quick things. I'm going to tell you what you are tasked with in your life, and especially parents, there's an there's a extra level on this because you're not only for you, but your children as well. And, but this is a two-part one. You are tasked with discerning your gift and using it for the church, not evaluating your gift against other people's gifts. You are tasked in discerning your gift, finding out what it is, and then using it for the church. You're not tasked with taking your gift and evaluating it against other people's gifts. Verse 11, lest we forget, says this, it is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Don't don't forget that it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just someone that gave you these gifts. It's God himself through the third person of the Holy Spirit, of the Trinity of the Holy Spirit. And then seven a gift is given to each of you. And if you're in senior high, small group, you got tired of me talking about this because we spent our last six weeks talking about the Holy Spirit gifts and how we can use them for the church. But Ephesians, I mean, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 simply says this, to each a gift is given. I know that you feel like you're like, I just, I missed out on that day that God gave out the gifts. I'm pretty sure I don't have one. Have you seen so-and-so's gift? They, they, I, don't, I don't have, hey, Your job is not to evaluate your gift against someone else. Your job is to discern your gift and use it. Now, when I was in, I was working for a camp, the same camp that my oldest daughter is working for this summer, we would go off and we would go to a different country church out in that community. And so that, we we stuck out like sore thumbs because we'd walk in there and all of a sudden there are these college students in this church and we'd be there on Sundays and they'd kind of be like, hey, it's good to see you guys. And one Sunday, I was there with a friend named Alex, and there were a couple of others, others there, and they would have like guest speakers and things would come in. And so the choir is wrapping up their number, and we're sitting there as the choir is wrapping up their number, and all of a sudden, one of the deacons comes to introduce the speaker. And Alex reaches across both of us, just like, you know, Seinfeld stopping short. Um, he reaches across both of us and kind of like holds his back, and then he just immediately says, holds his stomach and goes, this message is not going to be from the Lord. And we both just kind of looked at him like, Okay. He said, this message is not going to be from the Lord. And we're like, what in the world is going on? And then all of a sudden, this fellow comes up in the, into the pulpit. He's a traveling kind of guy. And he begins to do and speak on what is what we would call now the prosperity gospel. And he begins to go, God wants you to be wealthy. And if you see that Cadillac over there, you just name that Cadillac and you claim it in the name of the Lord. And you do this and you do that. And God wants you to be wealthy. And God wants to bless you. And God wants you to do this and all this kind of stuff. And we were like, oh my gosh, this really isn't from the Lord. And then God and I had a pouting session later on. As I came back from that thing, and I was like, dude, Alex has, the, Alex has the gift of discerning the spirits. I don't even know what my gift is, but it's not that. God, it's Paul Cummings down here. I mean, come on. Like, if you're going to give that gift, me, I should have that. You already didn't let me have the gift of healing. Come on now. But God gave him the gift of discerning the spirits, and I was blown away. 
But instead of, instead of, instead of going, well, what are my gifts? Let me use them. I, I pouted that I didn't have that spiritual gift. That's not your job. Your job is to discern what your gift is. So let's talk about that. How do you discern your gifts? One prayer. Ask God. Have you ever like gotten a present from like some crazy aunt or uncle? And you got it on, you know, go open it up Christmas morning, you open it up, and you know, they've been like, you know, having some fun in Austria or something, and they send you this present, and you just open it up, and it's the, you don't know what it is. What do you do? Ask them what it is. Oh, that's a flaggenspiel. I got it from, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then what you got to do, the directions are online, and you oh, okay. Well, ask. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are my gifts? I don't know what my gifts are. Ask. Show me. Second thing, ask an older, more mature believer. What did we just read? God gives some people the gift of discerning the Spirit, the gifts of understanding, the gifts of wisdom, the gift of special faith. Ask older Christians, I'm really having a hard time discerning my gift. Will you, will you come and will you show me? Can we talk about it? Can we pray with it? And thirdly, go to the Word. Go to the Word. Read God's Word. If you ever want to know what God sounds like, read the Bible. That's what God sounds like. The Bible is the first place we go for revelation of the Lord. So do these things. Do these things. And then also, too, know and come back to this whole idea of the pronouns that were used. To one he gives this, to another he gives this, to another he gives this, to that one over there, to this one. Notice he doesn't say to that one that God really loves, to that one that's really special, to that one that's a bump on the log. He doesn't say that because each one of us has been given a gift or gifts. And it's because we're vessels of the Lord. I love the quote that Billy Graham has, and he said this, I will not be going to heaven because I preach to great crowds. I will be going to heaven because just like the thief on the cross, I called out to Jesus and said, remember me. Whew. God didn't look at Billy Graham and go, he's better than all the rest of those idiots. Doom. You get all this. I think Billy Graham just submitted to the Holy Spirit better than often we often do. Our job isn't to evaluate which gifts that we have or don't have, but to discern the gift and use it for the glory of God. There's a great part in Lord of the Rings. If you've been two Sundays in a row, this is the t second Sunday I quoted Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry, I'm a geek. But at the end of the first book, Galadriel is, Galadriel is an elf queen. She has ears like this. She's giving out gifts to people, and she gets to the hobbits. Hobbits are little people. Some of you have children in your house. They're like hobbits, but the hobbits have hairier feet. Anyway, and so she begins, he starts with Merry and Pippin, and she's like, and you, Merry and Pippin, these swords, which are daggers, will guard you well. And they both get these swords, and they're like, yes! And you can just see them, they're like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. and she gets to Sam, and Sam's like, ooh, this is going to be good. And she's like, and to Sam, you get elven rope. And he's like, and then she pulls out this little jar with a glowing thing in it, and she's like, and also, you get the light of the star of Erandil, our most precious star. May it be a light to you in dark places. And he's holding on to it, and he goes, don't suppose you have any more of those daggers. Right? Why? Because we're so apt to just go, I know what gift I need. I know what gift I ought to have. Well, it turns out later on, all the way at the very end of the book, that he needed those two gifts, and then the sword wouldn't have done him any good. God knows what you need, and he's put you there for a purpose. Submit to that. And here's the second point on, this, on the second part of this point. We're tasked with discerning our gift and using it for the church, not evaluating whether the church deserves our gift. We're tasked with discerning our gift and using it for the church, not evaluating whether the church is worthy of our gift. 
I'll tell you something. I got asked by my brother to come out and do a youth event in the middle of, it's either Alamance County or, um, anyway, the county's not important, but it was in the middle of nowhere. And they were like, please come. We want you to do this. We want you to play some. And so I'm bringing all this equipment, and I got this a guitar and this thing, and I got this, this equipment. And I, was like, I even brought like a computer, a laptop, and a thing so they could show PowerPoint. And I roll out, and their youth room for their church was a garage with a pool table in 90% of the spot. So I'm like using the pool table to prop up my music, the, and they were sitting around the pool table, because evidently the pool table is the central focus of all the youth ministry there at their church. And I want to tell you the truth. The thought crossed my mind as I'm meeting with these people. I'm like, I just drove two hours to be here on a Tuesday night. These people are not going to pay me. I'm here with eight kids who don't give a hoot about me. I am bigger and better than this. That's the thoughts that occurred in my head and heart at the time. I'm glad that the Holy Spirit was like, This is my church. I love these people. You will serve them because you're serving me, and we're going to glorify Jesus together. Do what you're supposed to do. I'm so glad I listened to that voice because dumb Paul would have been like, your job is to serve the church and evaluate where your gift is, not to see whether the church is worthy of your gift. You've got to understand that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth who is a dysfunctional unhealthy, ununified church. Now, I'm not telling you to stay in a church that is dysfunctional, unhealthy, where there's abuse going on and they are not preaching the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But I want to I say this. He could have said to them, listen, some of you guys are messed up. Some of you guys are awesome. You guys that are awesome, go to the church at Philippi. Those people are awesome too. Y'all can be awesome together. And say that. But stay. Use your gifts Use them because the Holy Spirit has given them to you so that you can glorify Jesus and so you can lift the name of Jesus high. The last thing is this. If you're waiting for the perfect church to come along so that you can use your spiritual gifts, you're going to be waiting a real long time. The perfect church doesn't exist, but the perfect Savior does. And so if you're like me and you need to hear the, le- hear the check your ego at the door because Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and we're here to serve the church underneath him. So, discern your gift. Use your gift to glorify the church, to, to, to serve the church, to glorify Jesus, so that the world might know that we have a Savior and he lives, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll finish and finish in worship. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God, that you give good gifts, incredible gifts. And Lord God, even though you may not have given us a spectacular gift, Lord God, our gift is important because you gave it to us. Our gift's important because you gave it to us. The Holy Spirit, you are important because you are God. You are the one that has come to lead us into all truth. You are the one that has come to convict the world of its sin. And so, Lord, we pray that we would submit to you, that we would mirror the way that you, Father, interact with the Son and the Spirit, and that we would serve, and that we would serve one another and love one another and delight in honoring each other and delight in all the different people that you have brought and all the different gifts that you're using, Lord God. And so, Jesus, we pray that you'd be glorified in our church, that we would submit to you 
that we would glorify you, not our brand, not our denomination, not our ideology, not our building, not our programs, not our leaders, but that we would live to glorify Jesus Christ and that this world would know that it is all about him and him alone. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.